0: Thanks for stopping by, everybody. John Tellich here on Tellich Talks, and this week, Todd Crandall, longtime triathlete and the man who started an organization called Racing for Recovery. He has an incredible story of salvation as a youngster suffering through the suicides of not one, not two, but three members of his family, most notably, his mother, it sent him off onto the wrong road, and then for many years, abusing alcohol and drugs. But somehow, some way, he was able to turn his life around, and now with racing for recovery, he races in triathlons all over the world, and in the meantime, helps people save their own lives, get them off of drugs and alcohol, keep them on the straight and narrow. I had a chance to do a TV piece with Todd quite a few years ago. He's from the Toledo area, and when we spoke at that time, he was well on his way to doing a whole bunch of triathlons. But as I mentioned, more than 80 of them, close to 100 in fact, and he continues to this day to do what he can to help save lives. So we had a nice chat the other day, and I thought I'd play it for you right now on this edition of Telich Talks. This is Todd Crandall.
1: Welcome to the show, Todd Crandall, the man who has done so many ultra-distance events that I can't even keep track—more than eighty-three of them—and yet you are a story, Todd, of recovery. You're a story of redemption. How did this whole tale get going?
2: Oh, it's good to talk to you, John. It's been a while.
1: Uh, so, where did this all begin? And this
2: may so- this may sound very strange for the listener. But this really all started with the suicide of my mother when I was three and a half years old. Uh, My mom battled drug and alcohol addiction. Eventually, she took her own life because of it. My uncle, who was on his way to medical school at Ohio State, he too got in drugs and committed suicide. And I also have an aunt who battled, uh, I don't like saying mental health. She battled some issues, and she too committed suicide. So three out of four kids on my mom's side of the family, committed suicide. So wow. there's your genetic predisposition, and then there's your emotional trauma, which then for me led to a choice to use alcohol and drugs as a coping skill, and then my life fell apart for the next 13 years. And and that, as a licensed clinician now at Racing for Recovery, when, I, yeah. when I'm counseling somebody, this is where I start. It's not, you don't start with, well, what types of drugs did you do? You start with what's the problem on an emotional level that led to whatever choice of drug you did as a coping mechanism. And that yeah. was certainly the case for me.
1: Going, going back for you as a kid, I mean, these things are happening around you. It had to have been incredibly traumatic for you, but you, as a kid, you didn't have any coping skills. You had no, no knowledge of what you could do to kind of ward off these feelings I would imagine of insecurity and and hopelessness and all that type of stuff is that correct
2: that's correct and now we're going we're going back and forth to you know the Ironman stuff and correlating that to my childhood and with respect to athletics so my coping skill as a young kid to deal with all those words you described right there was athletics and particularly it was hockey so as a young kid My mindset is, I'm not going to end up the way my mom did. I'm going to be a pro hockey player. I have my life figured out. I'm not going to do drugs and everything's going to be okay. And that worked for a while. The problem was, I wasn't really dealing with those emotional hurts, the lack of self-worth, the confusion or the frustration of what I was feeling. I, I wasn't Coping with it effectively, it was like putting a Band-Aid on somebody that needed open-heart surgery.
1: Sure. And, and, and so, that's
2: where it all fell apart, actually, with trying alcohol at the age of 13. That's where everything fell apart, and I eventually lost the only good coping skill, which was playing hockey.
1: You were so dysfunctional, as even as a young teenager, with your use of alcohol, that you were, became unreliable, I assume, and probably had episodes where, uh, you know, people wonder what the heck was going on with you, and and things kept spiraling. Correct?
2: Yeah, and it's interesting. Alcohol is a, alcohol and drugs are a, a progression, but for me, it was like a progressive rocket ship that exploded and never slowed down. So, I was able to conceal this from my parents for you know, three or four years when it started. But what I wasn't able to hide it from or who I wasn't able to hide it from was my hockey teammates and hockey coaches. It was, you know, having to make up excuses why I couldn't play because I was hungover or trying to explain to my teachers why my grades were suffering, Uh, trying to explain to my good friends who were noticing different behaviors in me, you know, all these signs were starting to show themselves. And I was coming up with the lies and the excuses as to why I wasn't me anymore. And, okay. you know, when I eventually got kicked out of high school for doing cocaine on a school bus, you know, my parents found out about it. And then it was the scramble of, Oh my God, we got to get some help. You know, and that that's, that's how addiction takes place. It's not a quick in a quick out. Okay thing it's a long process in and it's a long process to get out of it
1: and so how did you get from being a high school kid who was using drugs and alcohol and just as as you mentioned spiraling out of control to the point where you because there's still some years between then to when you became sober we're looking at what 27 years now Todd
2: yeah. So, you know, t- starting
1: alcohol at 13
2: led to cocaine, crack, heroin, mescaline, you know, acid, pot, you know, anything I could get my hands on. And after being expelled from high school hockey, I ruined a potential scholarship to play at Ohio State University. You know, I was flunking out of college when I enrolled in, in college. Any job that I had, I was fired, you know, getting arrests. And then I physically assaulted my parents, which led me living in my car down in Florida by myself, you know. And this is what drugs and alcohol bring. And when I'm doing speaking engagements to high schools, I go into talking about low self-esteem and coping with drugs and alcohol and just consequence after consequence of these choices I was making. So to wrap up the drug addiction, it went on for 13 years and by the grace of God I received a third drunk driving charge back on April fifteenth of nineteen ninety three. And that's where I believe I got a gift from God and actually my my dead mom that I just got this mindset of I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something else. I want to have a productive, sober life, not knowing what that would consist of yet. Yeah. And I knew I had to stop drinking to get there.
1: Okay. And so you would all Even though these things were going on, you were out of control. You were still kind of in a rudimentary fashion. You were still getting on with your life. You had relationships and things of that nature, correct?
2: That's correct. I was, you know, starting to rebuild my life and other facets, like going back and getting an education and picking up my hockey career again. Everything that I had lost during my addiction, I immediately focused on regaining in my early recovery. And I started to see that this lifestyle was working. And this is where actually determination and exercise and all those things that were important to me as a kid really started to come back in my life. And it was, you know, I used to watch the Ironman Hawaii back when I was doing drugs. And I thought, man, I want to do that someday. So after about six years of being sober, I signed up for my first Ironman, which at changed my life in so many ways. I,
1: I had no idea what was going to be happening for me in that regard.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How did it change your life? I mean, how, how did it manifest itself in positive realms for you uh, to, to ward off the temptations to, deep, to dive back into what you were doing before?
2: Well, I'm, with six years of sobriety behind my belt in 1999, you know, I had a bachelor's degree in business I was married, had a couple kids, you know, bought my own house. I had done everything that society had wanted me to do, but I hadn't found my life's purpose yet. So by doing my next physical thing with these Ironmans, I started seeing that not only was I improving myself physically, but emotionally, spiritually, and even intellectually, I was getting better at those aspects of my life as well. So that led to, in 2001, our local newspaper, the Toledo Blade, ran a story about my life at that point. You know, it said, you know, former drug addict becomes sober Ironman triathlete. And the response from that newspaper article was so overwhelming that I thought, I want to do something to help other people. And that's when I started racing for recovery.
1: And how did you start this? I mean, obviously a thought came into your mind that you can do so much uh, for other people with this, this giving you your purpose. But how did that kind of just manifest itself? Well, John, my,
2: when the newspaper article came out, literally my phone was ringing off the hook for weeks on end. And it was, you know, guys I had done drugs with were calling me or, a former hockey coach or parents, you know, that I had known when I was a kid. And everybody was calling, and they all said the same thing. They couldn't believe I was alive, <laughs> and they couldn't believe what I was doing in my recovery. So, again, trying to put the emphasis on finding life's purpose and really developing what God, God's plan was for me, I thought, you know, I want to prevent kids who are going through emotional disturbances like I was. I want to start something to give them some help and prevent them from having a horrific life that I had for 13 years. And then I also wanted to show people who were currently battling addictions a way out. And that way out was living a balanced, holistic lifestyle. And that's what Racing for Recovery is all about.
1: And you, and you, as you were getting into more and more races and finding your purpose through starting racing uh, for recovery, you still got a great deal of satisfaction, didn't you? And, and to this day, from putting yourself out there, going that quote-unquote extra mile, because you went from Ironmans to Ultramans. And uh, so you were always on the edge of seeing exactly what Todd Crandall can do physically and mentally, correct? Oh, absolutely.
2: I'm an extremist. You know, I, you know, I now have a master's degree, you know, I'm licensed in two different levels as, as a clinician to help people. So if I'm going to do something, I'm doing it all. And, sure. you know, Iron Man led to doing a couple Ultramans that led to doing Ironmans on six of the seven continents that led to doing Ironman Hawaii three times. It's always, I'm always, it's not an obsession or a new addiction. It's yeah. just, uh, how far can I go? What's next? What, what new country can I go and visit to learn about their culture, do an extraordinary event, and promote the Racing for Recovery program all at the same time? So Ironman, to me, has been a part of my new way of living that has afforded me the opportunity to see great countries, meet extraordinary people, and continue doing this awesome event.
1: You know, I, could, I think of you in some ways uh, like I uh, did the Hoyts, and you know their whole story, right? Yeah. With uh, the father pushing the son who, who uh, was physically unable, and, and they had such a message of, of, of positive um, uh, vibes about them that inspired so many people to get into triathlons. And same thing for yourself. But all the while, you're getting that satisfaction from knowing that you have given in your training or your racing – Because I've seen you up close in person when we've done TV stories on you. You give everything that you have, but now that purpose is there that will enable you to get your message across to more and more people. And then they, in turn, can save other lives as well, right?
2: 100%. I mean, Racing for Recovery offers, you know, individual counseling, family counseling. We're the only program that combines families with the people battling addiction. It's in a live stream format. We have educational groups. So we've taken my story, if you will, and turned it into a program of services where I'm fortunate enough now that I can take clients of ours to these Ironmans and let them be inspired to either do an Ironman themselves or just to improve other facets of their life. So the term Ironman is applicable really to anything a person who's battling addiction wants to achieve in their life.
1: That's very cool. Now, you mentioned the live stream. How does that work? Uh, And how how did you come about coming up with the idea to do it this way, along with the other ways that you do it?
2: Well, you know, for so many years, I mean, 19 to be specific, you know, I get contacted by people from all over the world, and and they'll say, oh, I've learned about racing for recovery, or I've read one of your three books. I I love what you're doing. How can I bring this to you know, Hoboken, New Jersey, if you will. And mm-hmm. I I can't be in all these places at the same time, but I thought, well, why don't we develop something that showcases the awesomeness of our support group meetings? So we thought, well, let's live stream it. So people okay. can tune in on Monday and Thursday nights at seven o'clock Eastern on our Facebook or YouTube pages and watch the support group meeting live as it's happening and have an interactive chat simultaneously so it gives that person a taste of what Racing for Recovery has done for thousands of people. It it can help them in the privacy of their of their own home.
1: And, and it kind of, in some ways, it can be a safety, not a safe, safety in terms of worrying about getting hurt, but just uh, allow them to kind of dip their toes into the water in, in a realm that's a little bit more comfortable for them in this Correct. day and age you know, with media?
2: Yeah, I'm sorry, John, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, a lot of people, they're you know, walking into a Racing for Recovery meeting when there's over 120 people sitting in a room can get a little intimidating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so they can start off by just watching that vibe in the privacy of their own home on their own computer and really see how welcoming and encouraging and supporting we are. And which can lead to them hopefully attending a, a local support group meeting of their own in their own town or possibly coming to see us in person
1: somehow. That's very cool. Now, tell me about Pure Euphoria. What is that about, and how, and how can people uh, I- enjoy that experience?
2: Well, Pure Euphoria is going to be a new brand, if you will. Um, it's, a, it's our third okay. documentary. It's a lab cool lab. Document. Go ahead. It's a, a mini-doc that we're working on by a couple of German film producers who actually work for NBC in the Olympics over in oh, Europe. Oh, wow. So they followed me um, at Ironman France, and then we drove down to Madrid, Spain, and shot this mini triathlon, if you will, in beautiful terrain that is a quick mini documentary that we're showing in film festivals, and it's just another marketing tool that we have that goes along with our two other documentaries and the three
1: books that we have. Wow. That is just amazing. So what's up for you next, Todd? I'm sure there's another race on, on the docket. You're, uh, are you going to go over there and, uh, uh, to Russia and, and, and tell Putin to get into a triathlon or something? <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm doing a uh, half Ironman St. Petersburg, Russia on July 19th, which is going to be incredible. I'm really looking forward to going to that country in a couple of weeks. I'm doing Ironman San Juan, um, uh, going down there and taking a couple of guys from racing for recovery. So I I think I'm going to do eight or nine half Ironmans this year. I don't think I'm going to do any fulls, just a bunch of halves.
1: And that still continues to be your mode to, to reach out to people and to, to get your message that, that um, you are somebody, and no matter what you're going through by extending yourself initially through this, this whole realm of triathlons and And doing the best that you can for yourself physically, you can transform yourself in more ways than just the physical realm, correct?
2: Absolutely. Like we've said previously, I totally love doing these Ironman
1: still. And Mm
2: -hmm. folks like yourself that are in the media, they love that part of my story, which gives me an opportunity then to not only continue doing the events, but taking people from Racing for Recovery to the event, and I'm thankful for folks in the media that cover it, so hopefully someone else can learn about everything that Racing for Recovery does. So it's a win-win-win it's a for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think it's great what you do. And, and it's great to uh, touch face again with you after so many years, because I can't recall the year that we chatted. It's been at least 10 years that I oh, went out, and, God, I, you know.
2: I agree, John. That was a long time ago. Things A lot has changed. <laughs> I'm just thankful you covered me again.
1: You got it, my friend. Well, listen, all the best to you. And is there any uh, website that you can tell people about uh, to let them know more about Racing for Recovery or what's coming up for you, that type of stuff? <laughs>
2: Absolutely. We have podcasts that are available on our YouTube channel under Racing for Recovery. Those are all showing success stories of our program. And then, of course, racingforrecovery.org for getting a copy of our new book, Choices and Consequences, or contacting us for help for yourself or help for a loved one. We're here to help.
1: Fantastic. All the best to you. Continued success, Todd.
2: Thanks, John. Take it easy, buddy. All right. You have a
1: good day. Thanks.
0: Thanks once again to Todd, and thank you for your patronage of Tellage Talks over the past year or so. Close to 60 episodes, a lot of different athletes or figures in the world of sports, and I encourage you, if you get the chance, to check out the archives and download an episode or two and give it a listen. And as Todd continues to do the great work amongst individuals who need help, I applaud him for his efforts and wish him nothing but the best in his uh, pursuit of trying to change lives. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll check you out the next time on the next edition of Tellage Talks.